Grammar Girl here. I'm Mignon Fogarty, and this week I have a quick and dirty tip about the difference between hone in with an N and home in with an M, and a meaty middle about tricky apostrophes. Let's start with homing pigeons and sharp knives. When you get closer to finding a difficult truth or finding a hiding criminal, you home in on them, just as a homing device allows you to find something. Put an image in your mind of a homing pigeon arriving home to a lovely enclosure on top of a grand castle like the Windsor Castle or the Tower of London to remember that you home in on something. A castle would be a great home as long as it had modern heating and plumbing and wasn't so big that you'd feel lonely. And you don't want it to be so big that criminals could hide and then you'd have to home in on them with your homing pigeons. So maybe a small castle with a homing pigeon enclosure on the roof, just in case, would make a good safe home. Here's an example of homing in in a sentence. Aardvark quickly homed in on the weaknesses in Squiggly's alibi. Next, hone with an N means to sharpen and comes from an old English word that meant stone or rock. You hone a knife on a sharpening stone. Think of it as a honing stone to remember that to hone means to sharpen. It kind of rhymes and both words have an N. You don't hone in on anything except maybe a sharp blade. Here's an example of the verb hone in a sentence. Squiggly honed his cooking skills in Montreal. If you think you'll still have trouble remembering the difference between hone in and home in, the American Heritage Guide to Contemporary Usage and Style suggests using the phrase zero in as an alternative to home in. Then I wondered where we get that phrase, and it appears to come from shooting culture. According to the American Heritage Dictionary of Idioms, those American Heritage people get around, to zero in on something means to direct your attention to it, because when you aim a gun at something, you're directing your attention on it. The zero part comes from the crosshairs you see through a scope, because if you're aiming perfectly, directing all your attention so that the center of the crosshairs are on your target, you're at the point that looks just like the intersection of the x-axis and y-axis on mathematical graphs, which is labeled zero, zero. And that's why directing your attention toward something, just like homing in on something, is called zeroing in on it. And as a complete aside, I was asking my husband about guns and scopes while I was writing this, and he told me that originally the lines you see as crosshairs were made of spiderweb threads, and that seemed too fascinating to be true to me, but from what I could find on the internet, it does appear to be true. Crosshairs were originally made using actual hair or spiderwebs. So getting back to the quick and dirty tip, to find something or get closer to something, you home in on it or zero in on it. You can remember to use home in by thinking of a homing pigeon on the roof of a castle. To hone something is different. It means to sharpen something. And to remember that, you can think of a honing stone for sharpening a knife. And if you're making a book, you want to get your apostrophes right. So let's talk about a tricky case. Last month, we had an article on the Quick and Dirty Tips website with the title, 10 Facts You Should Know About Homeowners Insurance. What you didn't hear was that behind the scenes, the editor debated whether to put an apostrophe in the word homeowners. This topic also comes up in the news when there's a writer's strike or teacher's strike. 
Does the strike belong to the writers or teachers? Or are the words writers and teachers adjectives that tell people what kind of strike is happening? If the words are possessive, we clearly need an apostrophe. But if they're adjectives, we don't need an apostrophe. It's a lot easier to see the difference when you're dealing with singular words. For example, if you're talking about green bean casserole, green is an adjective that tells people what kind of beans you use. But if Mr. Green has an award-winning bean at the state fair, you'd talk about Green's bean with an apostrophe before the final S, because it's just one Mr. Green and it's possessive. It's his bean. When the phrase includes a plural, as with teacher's strike, it can be a tougher call. I believe it's pretty clear that the teachers don't own the strike and that the word teachers is there to tell us more about what kind of strike it is. The Associated Press recommends writing teachers' strike without the apostrophe, and it makes the same recommendation about the phrase homeowners' association. So I follow that pattern for homeowners' insurance, too, no apostrophe, which is what the editor of our homeowners' insurance article also decided. An important point is that if you use an apostrophe, make sure you put it after the final S. If you call it a homeowners' association or teachers' strike with the apostrophe before the S, you're talking about an association of one homeowner or a strike by one teacher. Here's an even trickier one, farmer's market. The market is used by the farmers, populated by the farmers, but generally not owned by the farmers. So it seems reasonable to conclude that you don't use an apostrophe because the word farmers is there to identify the type of market. It's acting like an adjective. Again, AP style is farmer's market without an apostrophe. The AP typically recommends leaving out the apostrophe whenever the phrase is descriptive rather than showing possession. But I should note that other credible people firmly believe an apostrophe is required on farmer's market, teacher's strike, and similar phrases. For example, the Chicago Manual of Style specifically calls for an apostrophe after the S in farmer's market. It's a contentious topic, so you may have to defend your choice to someone no matter what choice you make. In fact, cases like this are a good reason to have a designated style guide. Are you an AP woman? Write farmer's market without an apostrophe. But are you more of a Chicago man? Write farmer's market with the apostrophe. In some sentences, though, you can't just default to the style guide standard when you see these common phrases. Because even though I just told you not to put the apostrophe before the S, occasionally you do want it before the S because you are talking about one person. Here's an example. It's fine to write this without an apostrophe. We now offer homeowners insurance. Homeowners is descriptive, so it doesn't need an apostrophe. But if you work in an insurance office and you're writing an email to ask whether one specific policy got sent to one specific person, you want an apostrophe before the S. Did you mail the homeowner's insurance policy? Again, you write that with an apostrophe before the S in homeowners because you're talking about one policy that belongs to one homeowner. It's singular and possessive. It would be the same thing if there was a man named Farmer who owned a market and you were writing, do you want to go to Farmer's Market today? Just like when we were talking about Mr. Green's bean, you'd want the apostrophe before the final S because you're talking about Mr. Farmer's Market. The bottom line is that with these kinds of phrases, it's good to know what your style guide recommends. 
but you still need to keep an eye out to know when you're dealing with a descriptive plural and when you're dealing with a singular possessive. A big shout out this week to the Loop Weaver on Instagram who listens while spinning a yarn at her wheel and posted a beautiful picture of said yarn. And to Brienne and David who both listen to the podcast while skiing. You two are braver than I am. I love to ski, but I always have my ears on maximum alertness for people who might be coming up behind me too fast. I guess I could listen on the chairlift. I never thought of that before, so maybe I'll try it. Of course, I almost dropped my phone, a pole, and a glove last week trying to take a picture from the chairlift, so maybe I should just keep my phone in my pocket and enjoy the scenery. You can actually see that picture on my Instagram account if you want to. I'm the Grammar Girl on Instagram, and now you'll have the extra special experience of imagining me juggling all my equipment while trying to take the photo. Also, thank you this week to Mama Damaris and SF Redhead, who wrote lovely reviews at iTunes. You made my day. I'm Mignon Fogarty, better known as Grammar Girl. You can find transcripts of this podcast and all my other articles at quickanddirtytips.com. That's all. Thanks for listening.